actually in part four of our current series, Ask Me Anything. And I guess that if I were to just take a moment to try and paraphrase just a couple of things that we've been talking about over recent weeks, I guess it would simply be this. We believe as a church that our relationship with Christ, with God in the center of our lives, in the center of our marriages, in the center of our careers, is not just something that is so kind of distant and airy-fairy that it makes no practical difference or benefit to our life. In fact, we believe that God is incredibly interested in all of the details of all of our lives. And that that means that even on a practical level, that when it comes down to making choices, making decisions, that God is intrinsically interested in helping you to make better choices in your life. And in fact, in week one, and if you've maybe not been part of the series, maybe you've been out of town or whatever, you can simply go on to liverpoolonechurch.com forward slash watch and you can check back on all of the messages because in week one, we spoke about this concept of how when Paul wrote this letter to this church in Ephesus in chapter five, verse 15 through to 17, it was kind of like a game-changing statement that the Apostle Paul made. Because what he said was this, he says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And it's a bit of a game-changing kind of statement for us all, because it wasn't really a suggestive type of statement that Paul was making. He was saying this, guys, if you follow Christ, if you're a Christian, then whatever you do, make sure you do not live life flippantly. You know, just kind of moving from one choice to one bad decision to one bad choice. He was kind of saying, you've got to be careful because if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it means that that's a game changer for you. It's kind of like your life is no longer your own because you follow Christ. And by the way, can I just say, if you're in church with us right now, and you're already thinking, well, I don't know if I follow Christ. I don't know if I even wanna be a Christian. Then, hey, listen, we're so glad that you're with us. And I'm sure that there's a ton of real practical advice that you're gonna be able to pull out of this message today. And it's gonna be still brilliantly applicable to all of you too. But the difference is, is that if you follow Christ, what Paul was saying was this, it was like, you've gotta be careful when it comes to making choices in your life. You've got to be smart. You can't live now like you used to live. You can't just be unwise when it comes down to making choices, but you've got to make wise decisions. So we know that when we're all faced with choices and decisions, we know for sure that the temptation is there for us all to just kind of run around left, right, and center to everybody and anybody and try and ask them for their input and their advice. But often we can find ourselves leaning into the wrong people in the wrong places. So we wanted to kind of learn from the Apostle Paul and say, well, is there a question that if we were all as followers of Christ to ask ourselves, you know, when you're at a crossroads in life, you know when maybe you've got a decision or a choice to make? Do you sell, do you buy, do you stay, do you go? Do you stay in the firm, do you start your own thing? Do you marry the girl, do you marry the guy? What is there that we can learn from Paul that if we were to ask ourselves this question, it would just save us so much stress and tension and heartache and pain as a result of living with the bad choices that if we're honest, we've all made. And that question that we've been encouraging you to earnestly ask yourself 
is what's the wise thing to do? Maybe you've got a business opportunity. Well, what's the wise thing for you to do? Not your mom, not your dad, not your best mate, not your colleague, but like, what's the wise thing for you to do? Maybe like considering your relational options. Well, what's the wise thing for you to do? And we broke that question down and said, we've got to ask, what's the wise thing in light of our past? In light of our current circumstances, you know, if you're newly married, like Mark and Rachel were, who we just had on the platform before, it might not be the wisest thing for Mark anymore to just go out for days with the boys having a great time. In light of his current circumstances, like what's the wise thing to do? Dude, pick up the towels, I promise you. (laughs) It will save years off your life. Or sometimes we've got to say like, what's the wise thing to do in light of your future hopes and dreams? You know, like, where do you want to be? What do you end up wanting to achieve? Because if you can keep that at the forefront of your mind, ask yourself what's the wise thing in light of your past, in light of your current circumstances, and in light of your future hopes and dreams. Now, the absolute truth is prevention is better than cure. And that's why we've been speaking about this subject because we wanna help you make better choices and make better decisions. We don't wanna see some of you make some of the same mistakes that we've made. Maybe for some of you who are slightly older in church, maybe you know exactly what it's like to live life with regret. You know, and what would you tell your, se- your younger self if you were able to travel back in time? You'd probably go like, just do the wise thing. So in many respects, We've wanted this entire series to be about prevention. Like, we want you to make better choices and better decisions. But we also understand that maybe you're the same as us and we know exactly what it's like to have made just sometimes some dumb decisions, some dumb choices. So I guess in the final and conclusive part of this series, that's what we want to talk about. Like, what do you do and what does this mean for us if we follow Christ, yet when we look back on our life, we know for sure that we've just made some stupid choices. Like, what does this mean for us if we follow Christ today, but we know that we've just made the wrong decisions? So, you know, Em, last week, I had the opportunity, whilst you were away, actually, to talk to everybody about some of the biggest mistakes that I had made, and I made reference to the fact of the day that I'm sure that you can remember as well, when we went out and bought a car and you were saying to me, like, we shouldn't buy the car, this is crazy, it's the last thing we should be doing, and I was like, no, no, I want that car with the bucket seats, with all the clever gadgetry on the steering wheel, That's, that was my kind of, like, big mistake, big decision, and there are so many of them, but, but I would just love it if you would just tell everybody maybe something that you have ever done wrong in your life? Because I know, I know that you you girls are like close to perfection. I mean, have you ever? I spend my life picking up your pieces (laughs) putting together what you've mashed up for us. Have you ever done anything wrong? Well, might be one or twice. Oh, um, you know, I'd like to say that being a Christian means that your life is great, means that you don't make wrong choices, means that you're smart and you're wise all the time. But the truth is, it's not like that. But it can be. And so 
Just to give you a little backstory, I was saved at six years old. I had an encounter with God in my Sunday school lesson. I made a choice to follow Christ with my life. I knew what I was doing. It wasn't a childish maneuver or decision. And, um, and, I, and I went with that wholeheartedly. And I have loved God all of these years. But have I read my Bible all of these years? And have I followed it according to its advice to me? No. So I would be a lover of God. I'd go to the house of God every Sunday, but still making my own choices, making my own decisions, doing what I wanted to do in life, but still attending church. And it was only later on in my 20s when I made that switch to be not only a believer in God, but to be a follower in Christ, did I start to make smart decisions. So I may have made one or two blunders <laughs> along life's way. I think it's way more than that, and I'm um, more than willing to share them with everybody if you would like. I, I have made some really foolish decisions. I have made um, decisions that have taken me completely off track um, of the life that I should have been living. I have made decisions that have got me in a lot of trouble. And, um, and I can see that now in hindsight why I look back. But the most important thing is I understand why. And that was because I didn't seek counsel from God first and foremost. So one of the decisions that I made was um, when I was in um, employment and I was at the probably the height of my career in my early 20s, I... Um, I was headhunted by another company to go and work for them. And the package that they offered me was so good. I didn't want to refuse this opportunity, refuse this, this deal. I was aware at somewhere in my mind that I had signed a contract with the company that I was currently with, but I didn't remember what was on the contract. And I... Um, ignored it and decided to go and work for this other company. And that resulted in me um, having a visit from some bailiffs who served an injunction on me, who <laughs> served it. an injunction on me. Ladies and gentlemen, your pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually ended up in a, um, in, a, in a courtroom and a legal battle which resulted in me <laughs> being found guilty, having a hefty fine, and I got banned from working in a certain region for three years. <laughs> Were you like gun running to the Congo or something? Is that what this was about? Was this some sort of like nuclear arms deal out to North Korea going wrong? Was that what this whole thing was about? Yeah, I wish it was. I was a hairstylist. I mean, <laughs> come on, but I, um, I, I, I got into a lot of trouble. And actually, yeah, I was... I was, I was banned from, actually, legally banned from working in a certain region for over three years. I was not allowed to work there. Technically makes you a criminal in my eyes. <laughs> I'm a solicitor. And um, were you able to get yourself out of that whole mess? How did that go? Um, it got worse because I... Uh, <laughs> Obviously. I... Uh, <laughs> I... Um, so I start a solicitor, and this solicitor was acting on my behalf, but I didn't think he was very good. And um, so in my naivety, I binned him off, and I went and pursued another solicitor. 
and the first solicitor took me to court <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and so I got sued by him as well. And um, so I had no job, no money, no, you know. However, my, friend, my parents have made it together for all these years. I don't know because I put quite a bit of stress on them at that season in my life. And so, yeah, I was paying back two amounts that I was being sued for, one off my old employer and one off my former solicitor, who wasn't very good. And, um, and Did all right I out of you, though, to pay them. I agreed to pay them £50 a month, and I think I just pay it, finished paying it, like, last year or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, praise God. So if anybody would like any legal advice regarding your contractual arrangements, <laughs> do not come to Emma. It could be bad for your health. You know, I think one of the things that maybe we could agree on, and I think that all of us are the same, really, is that we all know exactly what it's like to be on the receiving end of having made a bad decision. And when you make a bad decision, it causes all these kind of different feelings and emotions, you know, probably regret being the, the most paramount one that comes to mind. And I think that um, what's really difficult is, is what we feel after we've made a wrong choice. It's the feeling after we've made the wrong turn, the wrong decision, that can often be so overwhelming. Um, I mean, there's many things that I guess that collectively we could think about, but, but disappointment for one. Um, if you've probably had air in your lungs for more than about a minute, you will have known exactly what it's like to experience the pain of disappointment. And um, the thing about disappointment is that disappointment in life is inevitable but living disappointed is not. And I think that I believe that as a follower of Christ that that doesn't have to be the pattern of your life. Even though maybe you've made some bad choices, made some bad decisions, disappointment doesn't have to be the pattern of what you experience in your future. But disappointment is often the first emotion or the first feeling that's so hard to deal with because it kind of leads on to so much else. Um, you know, the amount of people, especially in our culture and society today, that struggle with depression, well, often depression tends to be rooted in a disappointment. You know, something didn't work out the way that you'd have expected. Something didn't go the way that you'd have hoped. And there are many of these things that we've all got to learn the art of dealing with because they even affect us as we follow Christ. I mean, just because you're a Christian, it doesn't make you immune to ever being on the receiving end of disappointment. And I think that that's probably one of the reasons why we want to talk about this subject, but disappointment just being one of them, right? Yeah, disappointment, and like you said, I, I think, you know, it's not always the cause of a depression, but it can give you, when you've made a wrong decision or a wrong choice, it can give you symptoms of depression because it's, it's like a weight on you. When you know you've made that wrong choice, when you know you've made that wrong decision, it sits like a weight on you and you can't lift it and you can't shake it. And then what happens then is you go into denial because you don't want to admit you're wrong and you don't want to admit to your to yourself. And you, so if you can't admit it to yourself, you don't want to admit it to anybody else because that then makes you look foolish and so what you do is you try to justify the wrong decision that you've made and you completely go on this spiral called denial. Which is kind of um, you know crazy because then what it leads to is this feeling in this overwhelming sense of just being directionless. You know has anybody ever experienced that? It's like you make one bad choice 
And now because of what, where that leads to, it now removes your hope entirely. You know, you can make one bad business choice and now you feel like you could never again get into the game of business or operations or starting your own company. And it's frustrating because it takes you away from maybe what you'd originally hoped and dreamed about achieving and becoming, and you kind of become directionless. And that's even more infuriating because when you're directionless, you're demotivated. And if there's anything that's just horrendous for any single one of us to experience, it's like losing that sense of drive and determination to even get up of a morning. Yet when you make bad choices and bad decisions, that's exactly how we feel. We're just demotivated. It's like, oh, have I really got to go and do this again? Oh, am I still in this marriage? Oh, are my finances ever going to get any better? And that's really the reason why we've got to talk about this stuff because of how it often outworks in our life. You know, I'm mindful of what the Apostle Paul taught in Galatians 6 verse 9 where he, where he actually gives us another instructional command. He's like, listen, if you follow Christ then whatever you do, let us not become weary or tired of doing good. Because he then goes on to talk about, because in due season, you will reap a harvest of blessing. But in other words, like living the blessed life, it starts by choosing to be committed and determined to continually do good. If we were to maybe even rephrase it like this, we could say, let us not become tired and weary of making wise choices and then in due season you'll reap a harvest of blessing and I think that it's that angle that we want to maybe explore some certain attributes of what can happen when we make bad bad choices because Paul's like hey listen whatever you do like don't follow Christ and feel like that this is burdensome because this is gonna get good in the end. This is all gonna work out. You might be going through the valley right now, but praise God that you're going through, you're not residing in. And I think that that's what the psalmist meant, is like, you know, thank God that you're, at least you're moving. You might only be crawling, but thank God you can crawl. You might not be able to run, but when you can't run, you walk. And when you can't walk, you crawl because you're gonna go through the valley. So let us not get tired and weary of doing good or just making wise choices. Let us never be become tired and weary of asking ourselves what's the wise thing to do in light of my past, in light of my current situation, and in light of my future hopes and dreams. So I guess in light of all that, maybe we can kick off, Em, and I would just love to ask the question, you know, what, what do you think that we all need to know when maybe we're in a season of our life of feeling like we've just made some really bad choices or some unwise decisions? So I think, um, I, I think it's important to know that, first of all, all is not lost. Like, don't ever feel that I've hit the bottom and that is it. It's, it's kind of life's over. I made the wrong choice in that relationship. I made the wrong choice in that job. And, I, I, and now it feels just like that I'm at the point of no return because all is not lost. We've, it, you read the Bible, it's full of people, account after account after account of people who made mistake, who made the wrong choice. Jonah, who chose to run in the opposite direction. Paul, who persecuted 
thousands of Christians before he ever became one himself. People that stuffed up all the time and got it wrong. But, but all is not lost because every single one of us, if you're a human being in here tonight, you will make mistakes. You will make unwise decisions. You will make wrong choices. And, and, and like Lucas already mentioned, what that does, it leaves us in a place of regret. But you see, the more that we live life in regret, we're living life looking backwards. And whilst we're looking backwards, we cannot move forwards. So we've, we've got to make a switch and we've got to say the past is the past. It happened. And I can't change that. But what I can change is I can change what happens from tomorrow onwards. And it's a little bit like driving your car, you know. Um, taking a wrong turn is not the same as just coming up against a, de a dead end. If you are driving your car with your sat-nav and you um, go in the wrong direction, okay, you make a, a wrong turn, then the first thing that your sat-nav says is, please turn around when possible. Do you know that we all have that, please turn around Were you the voice possible. in my sat-nav? I'm the voice in your sat-nav sound to us, I'm like a... And um, I'd never get you there. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't listen to you either. No. Nothing new. Anyway, um, so when you're driving, the sat-nav says, please turn around when possible. Okay. It's an indicator you're going in the wrong direction. For any of you that call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ, do you know that's what the Holy Spirit gauges within you? That before you go ahead and make the choice you're about to choose, you have that innate feeling that something is not quite right. That I, 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 I don't need to say what I'm about to say. I'm going to go on a date with him because I really want to go on a date with him, but there's a niggle in here and it just doesn't feel quite right. I've been offered a great job opportunity, but something's not quite right. It's like that innate feeling. That is the Holy Spirit saying, please turn around when possible. And if you are in here tonight and you are not a follower of Christ, can I just say you were still formed and fashioned in exactly the same way as every one of us, and that was by your, your maker, God Almighty. And he built you within you a conscience. And that conscience, I believe, still gives you the chance to turn around before you make the unwise decision. However, when driving your car, if you choose to ignore that instruction, the next instruction comes, which is rerouting. And do you know that God will do that for you in your life? He doesn't, this, the sat-nav doesn't go pull over, get out and quit driving. It doesn't say that. It says, okay, I'm going to reroute you. And it means you are still going to get to your destination, but you're not going to get there the quickest way and the most straightforward way, but I will reroute you and you will still get there. And that's exactly how God operates in our life. He's like, okay. We made that choice. It wasn't the smartest choice. It wasn't the most brilliant idea that you've had. But I still have a plan and I still have a purpose for your life. And I will get you to your destination so long as you are now prepared to heed my word. The fact that you are even aware that you made a wrong choice or a bad decision, is it, it, it's hope in and of itself. But it takes strength to be able to, first of all, admit that you've gone wrong. And it also, it takes strength to be able to say from this point forward, I'm going to choose differently. I'm going to act differently. I'm going to be differently. And if I can just read the scripture in Isaiah 40, it says, those who hope in the Lord 
will renew their strength. And in some translations, that word hope is translated as trust. If you can start to trust God with your life from this point on, you will start to dream again. You will start to plan again. You will start to desire things again. And God will give you the strength to turn it around and keep on going forward. So if you've ever experienced what it's like to just make a bad choice, make a bad decision, that's the first thing that you've got to know, especially if you follow Christ. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. It doesn't even matter what the decision was that comes to your mind when we're talking about this. It doesn't matter how bad the choice was that's taken you away from the thing that you dream of. The one thing that we want you walking out of here knowing today is that all is not lost. It's absolutely not. There's only one person that holds your world and your future in the palm of his hand, and it's not you. It's our maker and creator in heaven. So no matter who you are, where you're from, all is not lost. Perhaps the second thing, though, that is worth thinking about, because we all can get blindsided by this, is that sometimes when we make a bad choice or we make a bad decision, We end up living life in a situation that's just not really desirable and with hindsight it would have been so much better had we have taken the other route or gone the other way or taken the other guy or taken the other job or whatever. It's so easy for us to think and feel in those moments when we've made a bad choice that because it's not working now that it's not going to work ever and I think that that's a big, big mistake. And even sometimes we've got to understand that the way that God will work in your life as a guide, as someone that will lead you and teach you, you've also got to know that sometimes that's the voice of God in your life too. Sometimes he will whisper to your soul, like it's not now, but not now doesn't mean not ever. Not now is not never. And in fact, when you kind of read through the New Testament, you can see this often. In Acts 15, there is this disagreement that happens between the Apostle Paul and perhaps one of the other great early church builders whose name was Barnabas, they both started to draft in this guy whose name was John Mark. And John Mark was exceptional at helping to like run and organize and start all of these new churches all around the Mediterranean rim. But in Acts 15, there is this like disagreement that happens between Paul and Barnabas. And Paul turns around to Barnabas and he's like, hey, listen, on this next ministry trip, I do not want to run with John Mark. John Mark is not coming with us. And Barnabas, who's friends with John Mark, he was like, no, no, John Mark is a great guy. John Mark should absolutely be on this trip. And Paul turns around and he goes, no, no, hang on a sec. John Mark deserted us whilst we were on ministry in Pamphylia. And he's kind of like, no, no, John Mark, he was there for the fun times. He was there for the easy times. He was fit for the fun, but he wasn't fit for the fight because in Pamphylia, he turned his back and he walked away and he got off. So Paul said, so here's the thing, Barnabas, like if you want to run with John Mark, then I'm going to pick my own crew because I'm not going to run with him because of the choices and the decisions that he'd made. He made a bad choice in Pamphylia to deserve us, turn his back on us and walk the other way. So Barnabas ended up running his own ministry trip with John Mark and Paul ended up running with a guy called Silas. Now Silas, for those of you who don't know, Silas was the guy who ended up in prison with Paul and maybe if you can recount the Bible stories, you know, one night at midnight they started to worship God and their chains fell off. Well, thank God that Paul was with Silas and not John Mark when he was imprisoned with shackles around his ankles and his wrists 
because I don't know whether John Mark would have had it in him to worship God whilst he was abased and abound in prison. But what's fascinating is that in Acts 15, where Paul was like, no, I, I'm not running with John Mark. Like, John Mark is not, the, not my guy. Like, I wanna run with somebody else. What you find in 2 Timothy chapter four is that Paul writes this letter and he basically requests that John Mark, and this is many, many years later, many, many decades later, Paul requests that John Mark is brought to him. And if you read it in the New uh, International Version, the NIV translation, it says because he understands that he can be of help to him in the ministry. In other words, Paul had had this entire change of direction about John Mark. At one point, because of the decisions and the choices that John Mark had made, Paul was like, I'm not running with John Mark. John Mark is not my guy. John Mark is not the guy that's gonna be doing ministry with me. Yet in 2 Timothy, we find him saying to Timothy and Luke like, hey, bring John Mark back to me, bring him to me because he has benefit to me in the ministry. He can be helpful to me in the ministry. So my point is this, there was a time and a season for John Mark when the answer to him was, no, it's not for you now, John Mark. Because of the decisions and because of the choices you've made, it's not now. But not now does not mean not never in God. There's always a second chance. Now here's the best bit about John Mark. Do you know who wrote the gospel of Mark? John Mark, it was him who deserted Paul in Pamphylia. I mean, talk about the God of the second chance. That's the God that we serve. So no matter what may be bad decisions or choices that you've made, understand not only do you need to know that all is not lost, but not now does not mean not ever, not in God's eyes. Yeah, so true, so true. And I think, um, you know, there was, there was a saying back in the, around the Christian circles back in like the 1990s and it was a phrase let your rejection be your direction and um, it, it's kind of a phrase that I've never really forgot that because it's something that we've I think applied to our life so many times over the years because quite often you know when you're down the only way you can go is up when you're down the only thing you can do is turn around and go the opposite direction but I love this um, Psalm 37 says take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart and it's been one of my um, all-time favorite psalms that because I think as a young Christian I used to read that like woohoo God's going to give me whatever I want like what I desire God will give me but actually what it really means is God puts the desire in your heart for you to desire the thing in the first place he made you he knows you he wired you the reason you wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer or a a beautician or a, a dentist or, you know, work in the sweet shop, the reason you are wired that way is You like because, sweets? Yeah. It's because it's, it's a desire 
I'm being serious. I didn't interrupt you with your John Mark Pampanilia stuff. This is like the story of our life. <laughs> I'm serious and I've you're just messing around. Up. We're having a Holy Spirit moment, so you stand in the corner. She actually says to me all the time, like, I can so tell on the weekends that you're not doing the talk because you just walk around laughing. And when it's your weekend, you're all serious and prayerful and in your zone. When I'm not talking, I'm like, hey, not got a care in the world, high-fiving everyone, harassing you, so... Pick it up from that. Good luck with that. I'm just asking the Lord to come back <laughs> into the room. Yeah. God gives you the desires of your heart. You desire the things you desire because he put the desire in you in the first place. He put in you the desire to be married. He put in you the desire to work. He put in you the desire to save on your finances and manage your money. He put these desires within you and that is why we come unstuck when things begin to go wrong for us. But John 10.10 10 tells us that also alongside the Holy Spirit working in our lives and alongside the, um, the, the, the desires that God has placed within us, there is an adversary. And actually in John 10, 10, he's described as a thief. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And do you know that the adversary, your enemy, he wants to come into your life and take from you. That's what a thief does. It takes something that does not rightfully belong to him. He takes from another person. And the Bible describes him as a thief. And so he wants to come into your life and he wants to steal from you. He wants to steal from you the desires that God has given you. The desires to do the right thing, the desire to marry, the desire to help someone else, the desire to grow, the desire to save, the desire to, to budget, the desire to physically look after yourself, those things. And he comes along with a counterfeit and the counterfeit is to get you to desire the wrong thing. And so we desire lustfully and we desire after greed and we desire jealous thoughts and he comes along and he wants to steal your hopes and your dreams and your ambitions. And he wants to destroy your future. Steal, kill and destroy. He wants to destroy any hope that you have for a future. But here's the thing with God. With God, there's always a second chance. And there's always props wherever I'm involved. If your life were like this ball, when we make wrong choices and wrong decisions, we feel sometimes like we've just been smashed up against a wall, or we feel like we've hit rock bottom. It just feels like there's nowhere to turn. But here's the really cool thing, because this is the way that God has designed you, and this is the way that God has created you. You see, when you hit rock bottom, you bounce back higher. Every time you hit a problem, you have an opportunity to come back even greater than before. Every time you've made that wrong decision and you think game over, there's an even greater comeback going, coming. But here's the thing, what we think. Can you just hold that still, be helpful? 
want life to be cushy and soft all of the time. We want life to feel good. We want life to be comfortable. We don't want to encounter problems. We don't want to make wrong choices. We don't want to be presented with difficulties. We don't want to um, get things wrong. We don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to make blunders. We just want it to be like this cushion all the time. But what happens to the ball when you drop it on the cushion? It remains. Because you grow through your wrong choices and you grow through your adversaries and you grow through your difficult situations but you have got to start listening to the wisdom of God because the book of Ecclesiastes in essence it's a great book to read go home and I encourage you start at the beginning of Ecclesiastes and read it through it's written by King Solomon and he starts saying I've tried everything I've tried everything he said I want to understand what fulfills man the most honestly I've tried drinking, I've tried smoking, I've tried sleeping with every woman I can find. I have got all the riches and all the wealth in the world. I have got gold, jewelry, silver. There is nothing. And he said, none of it means anything because I would still die in the same way as a man who had nothing. And he goes on to say, the only thing that truly satisfies a person is following the direction of God on their life. And the whole of the summary of the book of Ecclesiastes says this, if you get into something that doesn't feel quite right, have the wisdom to back out. Have the wisdom to come out. And so, you know, for, for me on that point there, it, it's, it's literally this. Proverbs 24 says, the more advice you get, the more likely you are to win. And I think like we've talked about over the past couple of weeks, Ask the right questions. Before you make a decision, ask advice from somebody who's already doing the thing that you're trying to decide to do. From, ask advice from the friends who really know you and know your weak areas. Ask advice. Get the facts. Get all of the facts. It's foolish to make a decision without getting all of the facts. And more than anything else, take it to God in prayer. So, as we bring this series to a close right now, Liverpool One Church, just lean in for one moment. Just like, give me your ears, lend me your heart, and just lean in for a moment. Be careful how you live. Not your mom, not your dad, not your wife, not your husband, not your son, not your daughter, but be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Our request is that we prevent some of the failings that exist in our future today by learning to ask ourselves the question, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my past, in light of my current circumstances, and in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? And like Paul says in Galatians 6 verse 9, let us never become weary of doing good. Let us never become weary of asking that question, what's the wise thing? Hey, like if the season of your life right now is you're young and maybe you've not yet started on your career path, maybe you've not yet got involved in a relationship, I want you to ask, what's the wise thing? In light of where you want to end up, what's the wise thing? Maybe you're engaged right now, you're planning the wedding. Maybe you've already got the career and you're looking to see how you can go up the run. Well, ask, what's the wise thing 
to do. In light of your past, in light of your current circumstances, in light of your future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing? No matter what your age, don't ever feel like you're now too old to start making great life choices by choosing to ask, what's the wise thing to do? And our prayer is that as we ask that, we believe that we do what Paul instructed us to do as we choose to follow Christ. Church, let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray. 